had a had a disagreement with my partner um, last weekend. Again, it was around the kids. Every time we've had an argument around the kids, I justify my actions, I justify my choices, my behaviour. And having some perspective on it, I can see that quite often I'm really quite grumpy around the kids. I have a... Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's, a, it's a story that I actually picked out on someone else when I was... I was talking about them recently. It's like, if you behave absolutely perfectly, then it's okay. <laughs> but if you're not, then I'm going to pick up on you. I just thought it was so interesting that that's the story that I got from my father. I never felt like I was good enough. I never felt like I was hitting the mark. I was just wishing for his admiration and his acknowledgement of my whole childhood. And now I find myself doing it to my children um, subconsciously. So I've just been, uh, I, had a, I had a session with a friend a couple of days ago and it was just, just to really sink into that moment when I'm about to have a go at one of the kids and to just try and get some breathing space in there so that I can see, you know, I can really see them and I can see why they're behaving the way they are. And just to hold myself a little bit. I've just realised, I've just realised I'm really, really quite grumpy around them. <laughs> and I laugh. That makes me feel sad. I laugh because I'm uncomfortable. I'm, I'm doing to my kids what my father did to me. So, yeah, I'm giving that lots of attention at the moment. I intend to change that tend to do some work on it over the next few weeks. I'm just wondering if any of you uh, relate to that. I can definitely relate to that. Um, and how that shows up in my relationship with my parents. I can be grumpy around them and I feel like it's a bit of payback which is happening. But I'm wondering, is there something that you could lean into the circle now and get, Ashley? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm open to open to whatever, but yeah, not sure what that would look like. Um, I heard your invitation there, Ashley, to see hmm. if any, to, to, and I put my hand up in response to any man that, 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 that can relate to that, and I can relate to that. I can relate to, to grumpiness. And I, although my children are now 25 and 26, when they were younger, um, I would sometimes get grumpy and I would catch myself being grumpy because I, I didn't want to be like that. And um, um, I remember that my, my grumpiness comes and it's not changed for me. It's still the same now. Um, my grumpiness comes from my own fear, um, my own anxiety. That, that I am I'm overthinking, I'm wondering if things have to be perfect. Um, are they having a good time? Am I being a good dad? Am I doing the right thing? Am I hurting them? Am I being you know too strict? Am I being too lenient? Um, uh, should I have a wee bit more fun? Should it be a wee bit more serious? Uh, <laughs> you know, all these magician sort of fear-driven options just um running wild and and that would that would my experience is that that puts me into a bit of a trance state like a different an altered head state and that altered head space or state that i'm in i get the sense that that like i'm not really there and that's where the grumpiness comes in. When when I when I realise somebody's doing something, and I've been asking all these questions, and the world is still happening round about me, and I go, "Why are you doing that? What are you doing that for? I wasn't thinking that." And it and it's it can be quite overwhelming. So, yeah, I can relate to um, what you're saying there, man. Um, and and just my experiences that, that having worked and done some work on this. And doing work on it still is is the grumpiness comes from from fear 
Um, and, and ultimately for me underneath that is a, is a sadness that I'm going to get it wrong and I'm not going to be good enough and I'm going to fuck it up. Um, and that means I start to grieve before anything's happened, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. But, um, but that's, that's the way it is for me. So thank you for bringing it up, man. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Got something to put on that. Um, it's related in so far as, you know, I spent all of my life really trying to manage everybody, manage every situation I go into. Because I'm convinced before I go in that I've got to kind of prove myself somehow. Or I've got to stop people from getting too close. And uh, if I get, if people, I, I, I really struggle to accept that anybody really wants me there, that actually I'm acceptable as I am and that I'm loved just for me, just for being Steve. And that, you know, Steve, you're welcome. We love you, we want you here. That's not the script that's playing in my mind when I go into a room. <laughs> and I'm, I'm laughing through discomfort and familiarity because the script that's in my mind is, you're not welcome, you've got to prove yourself, you've got to sort something out here, you've got to manage what's going on. Uh, and I think with my own kids, it was a similar situation. The grumpiness in a way, partially anyway, was sort of not on some level, allowing them to love me. I was happy to love, to try to love them but trying to manage the room, manage them, manage what's going on, manage their behavior, manage my wife, manage the, manage the whole thing. That's been the story for me forever. Uh, and it happens on, you know, it happens on weekends. It's, it, you know, I'm, I'm trying to manage the leader team. I'm trying to manage this, I'm trying to manage. So there's a piece about that that I recognize, Thomas, with you as fear. In my house, when I was growing up, I really had to manage those spaces, make sure that my dad was happy with me or I was out of his way, make sure that mom was okay, make sure. So that, uh, that leads to manipulation and all sorts of things uh, for me still. And, and it comes up, not here. For me, it comes up, it comes up here. So I'm glad actually for you, you're recognizing something there because it's a default for me often. It's a default place where I have to kind of step back and go, fuck, you know, maybe they, maybe they like you already. You know, maybe, it's, maybe it's okay. Maybe you're welcome here. Um, that's, that's, my, that's my piece around it. Um, and it comes up for me often in my relationships. Yeah, I've got to prove myself before somebody comes in and says, you're not, you're not welcome here. I've got to make mm -hmm. someone laugh or be grumpy or organize something. Maybe it's okay in this room anyway to show up as me. I hope that's okay. But even here, I'm... Totally. <laughs> you've got an okay from me, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing I found so interesting was how easily I could justify everything I was saying and doing. And I would, I, I, in hindsight, I can see that I would remain in that angry space for hours, sometimes days, absolutely justifying what I'd done and that I was right and they were wrong. And it, it's, it's something that, 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 that Tamsin said to me. She said, when you get in this frame of mind, it's all just black and white. And I'm like, yeah, of course it is, because they've done something wrong and they need to be told off. And she's like, well, where's the grey? And I was just like, yeah, inflated warrior, black and white, where's the grey? <laughs> I just can't see it when I'm in that headspace. And so my work is to recognise I'm in that headspace and get away from, get away from my kids in that moment, if that's possible and appropriate sort my head out so that I can come back in a, in a balanced place. Yeah. Thomas, I'm worried about you. I'm concerned. You're looking off screen. Are you with us? Where are you? Where's your head at? You're, you're looking out the window. I'm looking out the window. Uh, yeah. 
But I suppose what comes up for me is, are you here and are you fine? Are you fine in your square? I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm actually listening to what Ashley's just said there. Um, but thanks for your for checking in, Steve. Um, I, I think there's a my checking. There's an element of embarrassment still with me from my checking that, that's residual. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to 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 share that because um, it links to what you've just said about having the finding the courage to turn up here authentically and I have checked in authentically and um when I hear uh, when I heard Ashley's interesting response there about everything's in his head and it's black and white and um I'm I'm starting to wonder how much is in my head and how much is in my body. For for me, there's a I've, there's a conflict. I've, I'm discovering a massive conflict between what I think I should do and what what my head's telling me, and what my body is telling me. So the the, the there's a cognitive somatic di dissonance or whatever it's called. It's a, it's for me it's a conflict, and it's like um, I know that I shouldn't have that extra biscuit from the biscuit barrel, but I take it, right? <laughs> so so why do I take it? Um, my body wants it. My body craves it. My body wants the sugar hit or it wants the comfort feeling or something. For me, it's comfort, I think, that hit. I used to hide behind my granny's penny as a kid and get fed biscuits when the house was a bit mad, you know? That's... That was a safe place for me. So the safety and sugar association is the story that I tell myself in my head. But my body's still going, you know, I need food, I need sugar, I need sugar. So I was I was listening and, and remembering that's what that's where I was. Um, and it I feel quite I feel quite choked at the moment, having just said what I've just said, because it, it, there's a critic in me that's saying, get a grip, get yourself sorted out. You know, why the fuck are you talking about this stuff? It's a lot of nonsense. This is what I'm saying to myself, by the way. This is the critic that I'm catching. But then there's another part of me that knows that this is a way to go. This is a healthy way to go. And it's going to escape. So I think that's why I'm looking out the window, to be honest with you, Steve. Um, I'm scared. Um, and I thought I had it. You know, I thought I had it. I thought I had a good handle on things. And I have a good handle on things. I've just had a wee slip. But it's like, how can that happen? And it happened for me because of the ghost in the machine, because of the body, the craving of the body, the, the unmet need, my little boy's deepest needs. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just learning to, I'm, I'm learning to look after him in a way that I've never really considered or felt before. So it's new and there's a, there's a joy in that. There's a gentleness in that. There's a strength in that, that, I'm, that it's new. Um, I just have to go through the fear and the search to find it. You know, that's what I've had to. I've had to experience this slip in the last few weeks and the death of all these men that I love. And there was one or two in particular that I I projected an ideal father onto. You know. I used them as a surrogate father. Um, like I think I've been doing, I did all my life when I was a teenager. My basketball coaches, um, I thought were great men. The, the guys that I, I played with there, the, one of my basketball coaches was, 
was in the police and he he recommended that I go into the police. So I got more patriarchal support there and I thought, oh, this is great, but it was a wrong way for me to go. And after 17 years, you know, I've already talked about that in previous, previous discussions, but there was, this, there was a pain of that loss of that projection, not just to the person who died recently, but not having not had that safety as a child from my, what I felt like was my, my own father, you know? Um, and that's where a lot of my confusion comes from that Ash, that I heard Ashley talking about when it comes to my parenting role. What have I got to draw on? And what I've got to draw on is how not to be a parent, not how to be a good parent, as an example, if that makes any sense. Um, so it's been a struggle. And, you know, we talk, we talk in... In, in the Mankind Project and we talk in men's groups and we talk in shadow work and stuff about climbing the mountain um, and helping others up the mountain as well. And for me, I, I think I've actually just finally accepted and realised that what I'm, that what I'm doing, what I've done is dig myself out of the hole. Yeah, I've just managed to get out of the hole <laughs> after so many years of work. So I'm now looking forward to the mountain, <laughs> you know? It's like, where does this take me now? Where do I go? Um, but it's been, a, it's, it's a hard slog. It's been a hard, painful slog, and I could not have done it on my own. And um, I, I'm just so grateful for this opportunity and for, for this time. And, yeah, for, for your care. Stephen, for your um, ingenuity, Brad, and your enthusiasm for this, and taking a risk, Ashley, by sharing and, and not knowing where it goes. So I have no idea where it's going now, but yeah, there's work. There's still work to do, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. So thank you. I'll now face the screen. <laughs> I want to um, bless you for being real, Thomas. And uh, you mentioned fear and their fear about being good enough and the head, the head running that story. And I think that was also mentioned by other men as well. I think Steve mentioned that. Um, and that's, I can resonate with that. Um, I can relate to that. Um, my head makes up loads of stories and another part of my head wants to know are those stories true? And there's, there's like a, a um, there's a never ending um, story there. Never ending story. Um, I'm trying to figure that out. And um, just before we came on the call here, I, I, I had that interaction with a spider and I got that visceral fear. You know, I felt that in my body and it's taken me years to realize that so much of this is about the body and what the body experiences and safety. Is it safer? Is it not? And this is where I'm unpicking the threads and un unwinding the spider's web, if you like, of all the tension and the holding. Um, that is uh, my trauma, my body's memory of when it was safe and when it wasn't safe. And uh, it feels difficult to talk about that because it's, a, it's, a, it's an inner world experience and I almost feel like it's not valid, like it's not a valid thing, like I can't, I can't put it in a diagram or I, I can't hold it up to the screen right now, you know? I can't point the camera to the, the feeling um, or the viscera, um, but it plays out in my life. And yeah, it plays out in my relationships and, and how I show up. And like I touched on there before, the, 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 the shortness with my, with my parents um, is not the man I want to be. And what's coming up recently for me is I've had a big fear about fatherhood and me stepping into that. And even actually to talk about that it, it is scary. Um, 
the kid brings up that deepest, darkest bit. Am I good enough? Am I good enough to hold space for a family, for a new being, a new child? Um, yeah, I couldn't even say the word parent to my partner. <laughs> my my throat locked up. I couldn't even get the pit, pit, pit. Um, actually reminded me of when I was younger. I used to have a stammer, quite a quite a pronounced stammer. Um, and getting words out of my body was a challenge. Um, and uh, I don't know where this is going, but I like the, I like the idea of unwinding the threads of the spider's web. And I like the idea of getting more somatically experienced with my body. And um, and unwinding and unfolding and let it unfold. Because I think so much of the, the chaos in the head is, is down to that story which we hold in the body and where we hold it and how we react and how we and that and that trigger that trigger causing the explosion right that's the um that's the metaphor and if i can if i can begin to increase that reaction time maybe in there i find compassion maybe for myself and others somewhere in my in my body and yeah yeah, it's, it's funny, I, I, just before this call, I was doing a, a session with a client and, and I was doing hands-on work and we were working in around um, an area in the hips. Hips is commonly where a lot of trauma is held. And at the end, um, they said, you know, could that be, could that be emotion which is held there? And I, I, I smile and I try not to laugh, but... Um, it's funny the repeated pattern when people come back over and over to the same realization. And I said, possibly, what do you think? And she, and she said, um, I've been really good at suppressing. And, um, and I think, <clears throat> I, I feel as though I've been good at that. And I feel as though we all have to get good at that, right? To be able to get on in the world. And, um, and now it's it's that um, unwinding process of working into those those emotions, those triggers to sense them and, and and feel them again. That's what I've been struggling to work with for a long time. And now I'm being able to voice that more to people and talk about it. And that's I think the beauty and magic of this work. I'm in with that, I think. I feel, I'll, I'll, I'll catch myself. I feel like if my body has expressed what it wants to express. Mm, yeah, thank you. <clears throat> it's very, uh, it's insightful for me. Um, yeah, I'm entering a phase as well where I'm entering into like a, an existing family unit. Um, and um, yeah, I'm very familiar with what I understand you guys are talking about here as, you know, my sort of fear uh, coming out as anger sideways uh, and very nearly like bordering on like resentment that I hold on to, right? <laughs> so they say resentment's like drinking poison and hoping the other person's going to die. Um, and... Um, it was much stronger in my life when I was growing up and I would have that reaction to people around me, brother, friends, whoever, parents. I know you, I know you understand you're talking about it here in the context of, you know, children, Thomas and Ashley and your parents, Joseph. Um, but I, I certainly relate to it in, in respect of, as I don't have any children of my own, um, in respect to how I used to treat and react to my siblings more specifically and friends at the time. Um, and I just couldn't understand why people almost, it's almost like they'd affronted me somehow, they'd offended me somehow. 
by maybe just not listening to something that I, I wanted them to do in the first place. Maybe I'd, I'd, masked, I'd masked a question, an instruction as a question, possibly. That's what I was doing without realizing it. And they said no. And then, uh, and then I felt affronted by that. And then all of a sudden I got resentment and what I wanted to do was try and increase the level of control that I had. Um, it's definitely can only be a fear-based thing that comes out of anger somewhere along the lines of kind of insecurity. But while you talk, while we're all talking as well, I'm, I'm aware that, you know, certainly and I've seen and experienced in my life and I see in other men around me is that it doesn't just come out towards children or towards parents. It's, it's if I speak from a man's man's perspective, I mean, if I think about how some men treat their woman, you know, the woman in their lives, um, in relationships, um, it could be a friend, it could be somebody that I've known for ages, and all of a sudden they've done something, and I've got this resentment that builds up. So every time I see this person, they just wind me up more and more and more to the extent where I start not just telling them what I think of them and, and making their experience with me miserable, but telling everybody else as well. Tell them what a, what a shit person I think they are. Um, and, and I've seen it, you know, it, it can work both ways. It can work both ways in relationships. It could be men doing, uh, doing it to women and women doing it to men. I mean, in this perspective, perhaps we just think about it from, you know, one perspective, which is the men and doing it to the woman and how relationships end up being controlling and abusive. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, what, what would you say certainly to, to other men out there who are experiencing the same sort of thing with their children and or partners at this point in time? And they seem to be stuck in this cycle. I just want to qualify why I'm smiling there when you asked that question. Um, when you said about being controlling and abusive, what the question in my head was, with who? You know, not just meaning with other people, but with myself. I can I notice I can be controlling and abusive to myself, and it then leaks out, as you've said, towards other people. And it's it's shameful, it's embarrassing for me to to, to be in that position. And mm. um, so so we've got you in this position, in this shameful position right now. Obviously, it's a position that's not ideal. You don't want to be there. What do you do? Well, yeah, it's it's not shame for me anymore. It's, it's I'm ashamed of saying that I've done that in the past. It's more of a guilty feeling now that I'm I'm ashamed of my behaviour. But there's there's a difference between that and me being and me me experiencing shame. Um, I think, uh, and this is where I get lost because it's quite complex, but. Um, and I think that's what I've heard everybody saying, that we get lost when we go in our heads. So for me, what, what was coming up for me when you were asking that question was the, the anger that covers the, that hides my fear, because it's easier to go to that. And, and as you quite rightly say, Bradley, it leaks out, you know, and it leaks out. And, and it, also, it also turns in. I also turn that into me, and, I'm, and I've heard and seen other men turn that into them as well, whether it's an angry critic in the head, which we spoke about previously, or, you know, looking at you, Bradley, I can't believe how good looking you get every time I see you on the screen. You know, it's, it's true. It's it exercisable. <laughs> yeah. But believe it or not, I, I used to be slim as well. My head used to fell onto the page, you know. So, but But that came from... That exercise, obsessive exercising, came from anger. And that was a way of me turning anger onto myself, I think. Um, and although I might have been calmer and better looking to everybody else, that was still going on inside. And it was me running away from the fear of whatever had happened before that I was denying. I didn't want to even talk about it. And now I'm talking about it, you know, 50, 50 years later. Um, so I think it's a... It's a brilliant question, and it, it's welcome because it not only impacts, and for me it's shadow, it's shadow mission. It not only impacts, obviously this is what we're talking about here, is how it, how it leaks out to the rest of the world and how I also turn it on myself in various different forms, over-exercising, over-eating, over-drinking, over whatever.
you know, and yeah. and it's then it's toxic. Mm-hmm. It's toxic. I mean, it gets too much. It, it in it's, in my view, it's that sadness, the fear, and the sadness and the anger that covers up all these other emotions that leads to suicidal thoughts or suicidal ideation or behaviour even. And it's that's where I think that's why the suicide rates in men are really, really high because that anger gets turned, you know, ultimately becomes too much that we don't want to contaminate other people anymore. We turn it in on ourselves rather than reaching out and, and having conversations, risky conversations like this. And yeah, I don't know if that's helpful. Sure, it's, it's, it's predatory, right? So that's, yeah. that's the thing because yeah. the, the behavior comes out recognize that it's not socially acceptable it certainly doesn't feel good to me that it's come out this way and i don't want to be i don't want to be treating the people around me that i love in that way so then all of a sudden i go into shame and and all of those things happen i just want to clarify like i i absolutely i was sitting here as well listening to everybody talk and i was feeling this relief as well that i have moving into the the relationship that i'm moving into that i don't do this i don't exhibit this behavior anymore there's still a little bit of a voice that runs in my head sometimes. Like, am I good enough? Am I going to be accepted here? All of these sorts of things. But like you said, yeah, it's, you know, it is a little bit more in the past with us. Um, and also my question then is for the man who is, you know, we talk about, we use some quite high level language here in this conversation. So for the man who's listening, that's in this place where he's experiencing, where he's like, you know, I, actually I'm, I'm talking to my kids like that. Yeah. You know, Thomas, I'm, Thomas, I'm feeling like that. Yeah, Joseph, Joseph I, I like I, I can't even look at my parents anymore. Yeah, know? so I'd, I'd, I'd like to, I'd, I'd really like to speak to that. I'm very excited. <laughs> so sorry for cutting you, Brad. So yeah, I'd like to I'd like to model something that we do in MKP at the end of one of our processes, um, which is where we've said we've said that we want to change a behaviour, and the, the question is something like, well, is that the man you want to be? Well, no, it's not the man I want to be. I don't want to be trying to squash my eight-year-old boy who's just laughing and in the moment and feeling free by nailing him because he hasn't tidied his room yet again, because that's horrible. I experienced that when I was a boy. It was horrible. I don't want to do it to him. So if I experienced myself being like that or justifying my anger, then I, I need help. And I might not be able to talk myself down. And so what I would like from this group is I'd like an agreement that I will contact one of you and say, I'm trying to justify my anger right now. Or I've just shouted at Albert again. Are you able I, are you able to support me? Can I ask you a question, Ashley? Yeah, you can. Just just right now, what's happening in your body right now? The feeling is very similar to when I'm angry. My, Beautiful. my shoulders, but they're almost like vibrating. Yep. What I else? Feel passionate. Uh, it's because I feel so passionate about this. Yeah. I feel I feel shame that I've done this to my kids again. I mm-hmm. desperately want to do this to my children the way it happened to me. I'd like it to change. I feel mm-hmm. scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for naming that. Is it useful to feel into those emotions a bit more and stop totally. me if it's not stop totally. me if it's not welcome? It's not welcome. No, totally. Because when I, as, as you were saying earlier, when I when I relate the feeling in my body yep. to the thought process in my head, it's like, oh, okay, I can understand. Shaky yes. shoulders. Yeah, I'm feeling fear. I'm feeling sadness. Yep. yep. Take a breath. Beautiful. What's the major emotion that's coming up? Yeah, under it is sadness. Yeah, great. Sadness that I'm doing the same thing to a child that I had done to me. Right. Can we put a hand on it or help you to connect in some way to it? Yeah. Now take a breath. And another. And allow yourself to sit as close to the sadness as feels comfortable, like you're sitting on this bench. Allow yourself to sit to that, sit as close to that sadness as feels comfortable. Like you'll sit next to it on a bench. What comes up here?
yeah, nothing more, nothing more. Yeah, just, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sad. Great. Can we try something else? Yeah. Is there another motion that's happening in the body as well at the same time? So there's another physical feeling, uh, which is my mm-hmm. uh, lower gut. I noticed mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm feeling a strong emotion, quite often I just clench up my lower gut. Mm-hmm. I don't feel it quite so much because it was scary when I was a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When, and does that does that part of you need anything? Softening into that, just a hand on it. Know it's loved. Yeah. Know I'm loved. Great. Thank you. Thank you. So I've got something to put in. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Ashley. I've just got something around, you know, we're very, uh, in this circle, your original, your question, Brad, was, you know, if a man's looking at this, what's the piece, the way I read it anyway, I heard it, what's the piece we can offer? What's the piece I can offer? Yeah, well, how can we break it down? Yeah, uh, for somebody who's who's in it yeah, hasn't exactly. had the experiences we've had. Yeah, and, and I think there's a piece that um, that I think is really important that actually I'm jumping I'm jumping over as though it's all red. And actually, we, you're using the language. We're all using the language. But where did this behaviour first? Where did it come from? You know, you're shouting at your kid. You're doing. You're having this behaviour. Mm. Is there? And of course, you know, we know, I know about the body and the way this comes up in the body, but that actually, in my view, is quite a, um, that's quite, um, that's quite along the line. That's, you know, I've learned that. But at the beginning, the first, some of the first steps were, shit, I'm behaving like my dad. I'm behaving like my dad right now. I'm shouting yeah. at my son in the same yeah. way my dad shouted at me. Yeah, Do I want to be like that man. Yeah, and the way that those were the kind of first steps yeah. that led me towards the healing journey that I've been on. And in a way, for people coming to this for some help, are is there something in the way you're showing up, in the way you're treating other people that is about the way you were treated? Can you just have let that thought in somewhere somehow, and can you recognize it? And if you can, can you then begin to just monitor how much you are like that person in your life? Because that's what I began to do. And then maybe reach out. Of course, we want to say reach out straight away. Reach out to this group. Send us an email. Ask for coaching. All of that. But is there that first step often is actually this behavior comes from somewhere else. It doesn't mean you're not responsible for your actions. But there is something also to realize about, you know, there's more than just you in the picture. In the picture of you, there's you as a child, there's mom, there's dad, there's what what came before. Um, And there is just finally that child who needs to be loved. Maybe even that is a step too far. Um, So that's what I would say, just straightforwardly. Are you behaving like somebody who actually behave this way to you and is that the man you want to be? and and if not then where are the steps yeah. to go yeah. if, if, I, if i play this out in my head the scenario where i would have been at, at this point when i was asking myself those questions then it's been years already that i've been doing damage um i'm, I'm sitting around i've probably just treated my my woman like shit um i've, I've upset five or six other people in my family there's just been a massive blowout I'm now sitting there on my own and I'm a fucking bad person. Right? And who do I tell? Where do I go? Mm. Yeah. And, and that, I think, for starters, with what you've said, Steve, that for me is if, if, if you're in that place, uh, then that's part of the process, right? Then that's kind of the first place. If, you're, if I'm asking myself that question and I'm sitting there going, like, I feel helpless. Yeah. I, I'm just, I don't, I don't know what to do from you. That feels like uh, effectively what might be called the rock bottom, right? Yeah. Which is uh, which is a perfect place to sort of springboard from. Yeah. Uh, which is where kind of almost where you're at a bit, actually. I mean, you know, maybe not to the same extent, but when you know when we started talking, you say, "Well, this has just happened," you know, and this is how I feel about it, right? And I don't want this to happen. 
I don't want to be like this. I think the other piece that's really important for me to remember always, that I don't want to show up to these groups in any way saying that, look, it's fixed now. I'm fixed now and I can come and I can help you all, you know. I'm showing up here now because look, look how great, you know, I've, I've got it all sorted. Yeah. You know, there's always a fear in me that actually everything that I've done will desert me when I meet when I need it most. Mm. <laughs> well, there's, there's an episode on imposter syndrome that we did. You should yeah, go listen to that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Listen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, and I suppose the thing is that what I think what frightens some what frightens me maybe at the beginning of the journey is like, I want to fix it and I want to fix it now. It's like a step, take a step and then take another step um, and keep taking the steps. I think it's important to kind of keep that in mind uh, and you can take big steps at the beginning. That's my view. Yeah. You can take big steps at the beginning. And super important, like, but difficult to not beat myself up about it, right? Super important, but but a difficult thing to do is to how to change that that sort of inner the you know that anger that, that Thomas was talking about turning inwards that predator, how to turn that around and how to change what that thing is saying, you know, change that voice from like I'm a piece of shit to actually you know what, I'm a good person, you know, there's stuff in here that is of value to the people around me. I might have some cleaning up to do, but I have some magic to bring to the world. Well, I was thinking earlier about Joseph and you, Brad, and where you're going at the moment. And, you know, I had some tears, I've got to be honest. Um, my view is, and, it, I, and it's going to be hard for me to get through this sentence, so I, I, let's see how it goes. My view is both of you uh, will do make magnificent fathers. And how lucky uh, for your children. That's my view, and I, and I believe that because uh, you you know, I judge, you know, what bad fathering looks like, and also you have a real kind of drive to love, um, in my view. So w when you talked about being fathers, I just thought fucking lucky kids that are going to be born into those families. So I, I want to share that with you. Um, Thank you, man. Uh, I, don't know about, I don't know about Joseph, but I've, I've never been more ready than I am now, despite all the resistance I had up to this point. Yeah. So Thank you, time, Steve. So the time is now. Yeah, let's see, man. As we say in South Africa, now, now, which is like, <laughs> not quite now, it's just now. But, you know, we've done a lot of work in this room and a lot of that work has been done through pain. I've done a lot of work and I've come through a lot. So that means I'm actually really, really very, very skilled at uh, understanding what needs to happen. But the two things work in tandem. Uh, and it's important for me to keep those in, in two hands. You know? I personally agree with what you're saying there. I think it's, I think it's, it's more important than whatever qualification we carry or we hold is, uh, is the work that we have done, the, the path that we have walked um, before. Um, or, and there's a great, I think of the phrase, it's like, you know, I've, I've crossed the river um, and I know where the currents are and I know where the, the footholds are. So it's now my job to, to go back and help someone else across, you know. And, yeah. and 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 that's what I hear you saying there, Stephen. Um, for want of answering Bradley's invitation about what men who are not used to this language or not used to this terminology or, 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 or maybe not as far down the path or are in that place of desperation, it, it, the thing that, I, that comes up for me is curiosity. Curiosity is the key. Mm. Curiosity is the key... To, to unlocking a, a new way of being, to asking questions like you've said, Steve, Ashley said, I think Bradley said as well, and maybe Joe too in relation to, um, is that is when I'm in this shit space, when I've, when I've fucked everything up in my relationships or in my world, in whatever way I've done it, in whatever way I'm criticizing myself, 
the, the curiosity is key to help unlock that potential of, is this the man I want to be? Well, mm. no. And for me, that is the that is the route to responsibility. Curiosity is the route towards responsibility to saying, okay, this isn't the man I want to be. So in which case, what do I do now? And it's one we, as you, I think, were alluding to, Steve, was baby steps. It's mm -hmm. one wee step after another. And maybe at some point that includes reaching out for help and just asking for some support. Um, but these steps, curiosity has got, for me, in my experience, I would encourage anybody and people that I've worked with is that they get to a stage where they're like, they're exhausted. They can't do what they're doing anymore. They can't put their mask on and pretend and say everything's okay. Um, because it's not. And they want to find a way to cross the river, I suppose. And, and that's what we can offer them. It's just a helping hand. Curiosity is key for me. It's like seekers. It's what's kept me going. I've been seeking it. I've been seeking something, and I still don't really know what it is. It can be mysterious, but it's lovely seeking it, whatever it is. You know, it's it's been good. It's not been easy, but it's it's good. I had a similar, I had a funny thing this week where I've been feeling really good and really positive, which, uh, you know, of course, a lot of the time uh, I'm in a space of really kind of working out what's going on. I like being in that space. It's very alive. I'm in two minds often thinking we'll kind of work things out. But the past couple of weeks, I've been just feeling really good about myself and about my life. And there's a bit of me uh, that um uh wonders if i'm allowed to feel good about myself and i and i bring that here because i think there's a an element sometimes for me anyway and i judge it's kind of a, around that actually maybe one isn't allowed to feel as though life is going well that one has power that one has a judgment that one has made good decisions that one can love uh, that one is able to be open and, uh, you know, all of those things. Uh, and I wonder what we think of that, about uh, celebrating our own, not, not in an arrogant way, but in a, in a way of kind of grounding oneself and going, actually, uh, yeah, I can be powerful uh, and I can enjoy being me. And it's, uh, I wonder how that lands with us. Realizing as individuals, as humans, that we actually have agency. Yeah, that we have agency and we can make good decisions and- What a concept, right? Well, it's an, isn't it? But it isn't, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the way the, the society is structured at the moment is to, through school and into work and all of that is to, to, to make us believe exactly the opposite, right? Mm. Yeah. Are you saying it's the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan? Is that what you're <laughs> suggesting? <laughs> because if you are, then I can relate to that. It's because it, who's, who's Obi-Wan here? Is it uh, well, I can, you, well, if the shit fits, we're yeah, it, man. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that's the fun. It's, it's that the invitation from Mr. Carlier is just is just I have to bite there and I have to play because I think that's in my nature, you know, I think that's in my, I think that's me, you know, but I've been too busy, you know, whether you call it navel-gazing or, or, or dis distracted by the dark side or fighting off the demons or whatever, mm. you know, um, that I forget sometimes to laugh. And my wife hit me with a beauty this week. We've been going through quite a, a, a struggle the last year or two. And... Uh, I forgot to mention to her that I've been working on myself for the last 26 years and she's just realised what, what I am, what I'm like. Um, and she's only kind of known really for about a year what I'm truly like. But she said, well, can we just stop this just now and just be kind and focus and have a laugh again and just play? And I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> let's try that. Let's see what happens. So that for me is a risk, you know. 
because um, it carries with me, it carries a lot of weight of shadow of deserving, undeserving stuff. So, um, which I'm happy to let go and, and just play with, hence the Obi-Wan reference earlier on. So, um, thank you, Steve, for reminding me of that. No, and I think you got something there. It's that playful element. Mm. Sometimes I miss. Yeah. I take myself way too seriously sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, you do, actually. It's true. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I meant in the past, but... You've got the head levitation off to an absolute arc because you just look like you're floating above floating. That's it, man. I've got agency, bro. <laughs> Can't touch this. Mm. <laughs> I think celebrating... What who we are, what we're good at too is very important. What I'm good mm-hmm. at celebrating mm-hmm. saying it out loud. I can do these things. I am able. Just part of that. Because that's the next here. part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am still, still here. <laughs> is what celebrating. Absolutely. And and that's the next part of the question, right? The the question is, is that the man you want to be? And then the next question that often comes after that is, okay, so if that's not the man you want to be, who is the man you want to be? Is it, is it useful for us to look at that? Because that, that bit, when we start talking about celebrating and blessing and joy, mm. that, that, that for me, that's, that's like, it. yes. Yeah. That's the fucking man I want to be, is spending so much of my time in, in, in that um, zone where I'm like, yep, when I do drop into all the rest of the, the fear and the sadness and the anger and the shame and the pain and all the guilt and all that stuff, actually... I, I, I know where topside is and I'm going back up there again because all that lovely wisdom and beauty and blessing and all this summertime, hence why I'm outside, that, that, that's, that's, that's where my compass points. Um, yeah. And I have to remind, remember myself <laughs> of, of that sometimes because I can also get really serious and in my head and forget that actually sometimes I'm, I'm quite funny. <laughs> I mean, not often. <laughs> not, not often. often. <laughs> no, 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 not often. Not but often. sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Hey, it's you, all perspective, you, isn't it? It's all perspective. It's all. It's all relative. <laughs> hey, Peter. Peter Mul. Uh, Peter Mul Hall, who who you guys know. Um, he is a he is a, he is a great joke, and he says um, he says okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna run this um, program here, and he says okay, we're gonna start at nine o'clock, and then we'll do. We'll do tea at you know uh, eleven, and then he says, "Okay, and and at at fifteen minutes past eleven, we're going to have spontaneous fun for two minutes." Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and I love that because Peter is Peter is so dry, you know, you never really know if he's serious, and that's and that's his humor. And I think we have to really take a lot from that. Like we do have to programs in spontaneous fun. <laughs> Brilliant. Ashley, how's it going with you there, man? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I really enjoyed the really enjoyed the chat today. Um, yeah, I would I would like to take it offline um, to be able to get some support from one of you guys. Um, it doesn't need to be on the podcast here, uh, but just you know to, to 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 tell the listener that the intention is is that I'm going to ask that one of you is available for me to give you a call or a text message. And if you're not available in that moment, then you contact me back as soon as you can to, to support me. And what that support is going to look like is you're going to hear what I'm, you're going to hear what I'm saying. And you're not just going to agree that my inflated warrior that's just justifying all of his angry behavior is fine and right, because that's, that's not the support I need. I do that all by myself. <laughs> I need someone to to ask me the questions like you know is this really so, the man you want to be is is the behavior that you've given to your eight-year-old boy is that the way you want it to be treated as an eight-year-old child mm. that, that kind of question that really makes me drop and think and get, get out of that inflated i'm right and everybody else is wrong bullshit so so ashley who who is the man you want to be The man I want to be, well, it's, you know, it's part of my, my mission, you know, in MKP, we create a mission and, and part of my mission is to show up humble with an open heart. 
when I'm having a go at an eight-year-old boy because he hasn't tidied his room. That is not the man I want to be. That is not humble with an open heart. I'm not seeing him as an eight-year-old boy. I'm seeing him as an, an, an annoyance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. humble with heart, loving, kind, playful. And how, how would that look? If we captured that on camera, how would that look? What, in the interaction between Albert and I? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so maybe Albert's just come in from school. He just wants to jump in the pool, have a bit of fun. I know that he hasn't tidied his room. And so I could connect with him. I could say, yeah, let's both jump in the pool and then let's go upstairs two minutes and let's just let's just tidy your room. You know, if you if you need help, I'll be there. Yeah, playing with mm-hmm. Albert and then still job done in a nice way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm actually reminded of something here quickly, uh, Steve. Um, the Steve and I we did a one to one last week, and it mm-hmm. revolved around teaching. And um, I'm, I'm seeing a kind of parallel here, actually, around um, sometimes how teachers respond to the children and start to feel overwhelmed. And Steve, if you remember, there was one part you were dis- we were discussing, and you were talking about how sometimes you might shout at the children. And then, so can you just follow on from that? And then, then you said, so the next time it happens, it kind of has less of an effect. So what to do in, in place of that? And I'm wondering yeah. if there might be a... Well, we were talking about that whole thing, you know, the first time you... There's a, the first time you shout at the vultures, you know, they'll, they'll fly away. The second time they'll, yeah. you're going to shout. And the third time they'll just get closer. So there's something around mm. understanding what's going on. Uh, you know, what are you doing it for? And there's a, there's a sort of, a, you're trying to create some kind of a boundary between you and them. You're trying to stop some feelings coming in. So, I mean, you're doing it. You're, re- you're having that realization. I suppose in teaching, it was like it's sort of that sense of why am I shouting at these kids? Well, mm. I'm probably shouting because I'm scared. You know, I'm scared of them and, and I'm frightened that actually they're going to kind of somehow get, you know, get in. So I'm trying to push them out. So there's something of that going on probably, uh, you know, here as well. But and what, I, what I found interesting was what you said that the cure to that might be. Do you remember at the time when you were talking about how you sort of bring this thing that's all of a sudden exciting? Thank you. Yeah? Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, instead of feeling like you have to shout, what is it that you're going to bring that he's going to be really excited about? So in a mm-hmm. class, it's like you're coming with a subject, suddenly we're not going to shout because actually what we're going to do here is really fun. This is going to be great because I'm interested in it. I'm engaged in it. I want to do it and I want to do it with you. And suddenly things do begin to turn around. So it's something of being genuinely excited about what we're doing with the children rather than kind of pretending somehow that it's, you've got a task, you're going to come and deliver it. What great fun. All of that kids will read all day, every day. But a genuine piece of excitement about actually really love this school this is a fantastic there's something great in this and i think you're going to love it is a is a very different space to come in if that's helpful in any way then yeah there's something in that too like what is it you really like that you really want to get is that space to be thought about so thanks bro It's my, it's my experience of that teaching that you can't hide. There's nowhere to hide. You know, it's, it's, and from a parenting point of view, it's like, it, it's like amplified 33 times in Scottish schools because you're in front of 33 kids and you can't hide. Um, so I, I, in my experience, I would totally, totally support what Steve is saying, that if you bring something that's curious, that gets their attention, that, that engages them, it's a lot better than shouting or whatever might, might come on. Sometimes you can get a wee bit above yourself or too excited. I, I, I worked on that. Can I tell you a wee story around my experience of that? Is that, is that, have we got time for that? Just a couple of minutes. I was, our school had a, the school that I worked in was a secondary school in Scotland and it had an, it had an alarm in between lessons. It was like a heart monitor going off. It was a terrible sound, right? <laughs> so it was a depressing noise. It was really quite depressing. And they eventually decided to stop it. So what I came up with was playing songs um, 
in at the end of the lesson and the start of the the next lesson, and and, I, and all my classes knew this, and it was like it's quite good fun. So we start. I, there was one day my seniors left, and the younger class came in. The, so seniors are about seventeen, eighteen, and the juniors came in. They're about twelve, thirteen, and the, the the seniors were needing a bit of an uplift. So it was absolutely everybody by some female singer. I can't remember the song. But I remember the song, but I can't remember her her name. Um, and it was a, like the twelve-inch version or something that was going on, and they needed a bit of motivation because they were going to their they were going to their exams or something. And the first years came in, and you know, I was in a school where the, the teacher says, "Don't smile with first years until after Christmas," which is a lot of nonsense, like absolutely nonsense. And I had this this song going on, and I, I was dancing when they came in, and I said, "You can have a wee dance if you like while the song's playing." So. They started dancing, and one of them was when a girl was sitting in her chair, and she was like a wee bit shy, but she was dancing like this. It says, "Yeah, you can dance in your chair if you like." And the boys heard, "You can dance on your chairs," because they were up on the chairs, they were dancing and having a great time. It was absolutely brilliant. They ended up on the tables. Kids videoed it, and I got into trouble with the head teacher. But that was the best lesson I had ever had with that particular <laughs> class. They, 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 they were quite a challenging class. A lot of support, but the the enthusiasm—they were like eating in my hand. It was unbelievable. They had the I had the best lesson with them. It was such it was such joy. It was such fun, and it wasn't too much trouble. But it was it was good. So there's an I think that's an example of what Steve was 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 mentioning. Yeah. Bring something to engage them. Bring something to keep them curious. I think there's one more piece I want to put in, and I think it's relevant, possibly, actually, with your son. What's your son's name? Albert. 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 You know, there's something about really uh, understanding in a classroom that you're dealing with children. And teachers forget that I forget, as a teacher, that I'm dealing with children. And I absolutely love the company of young people. They are all about the future. They are all about possibilities. Mm. They're all about what's coming up. They're all about jumping in the pool. They're all about kind of what's going to happen. They have very often no sense that things may not work out or they may, may be difficult to work out. They're like, come on, let's get on with it. And that's a fantastic energy to work mm. around. It's complex, but it's a brilliant energy. And I wonder if there's something in Albert, that is kind of just all of that stuff. He, he wants, maybe he wants to do his room, he doesn't want to do his room, but it's something brilliantly energetic about that age, full of the future. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know, but that is, it struck me just to make that parallel, really. Uh, just remember that he's a, that, as you are, that he's, he's a boy that's full of tomorrow. Thanks, Dave. Great, great discussion, man. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you right now, actually? I'm good. Good. I'm very good. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed the chat. Yeah, I, I realised, as I said, I did a process with a friend and I realised afterwards, I mean, something that, um, that a couple of people touched on here, it's it's for me. It's really about bringing that awareness to that moment when it starts to physically happen in my body, or the story starts to play in my head. What do I need in that moment to look after me? Because I can't, I can't be in that moment if I'm just going to shout at Albert. That's not going to serve me. That's not going to serve him. So how can I look after me? And for me, that means you know taking a breath, you know stepping out of the room if I can, if appropriate, and just get in that space. And, and that's where my real work is, find, finding, finding those moments, giving myself that time. Um, and, and yeah, I've got a lot of compassion for myself. I was treated that way as a boy. And so I've got compassion for Albert that I've started to do that to him. And yeah, that's, that's a great mo motivator for me to, to put the work in to change it. And, and what would the eight-year-old you want in that circumstance? If one of his dads had just, just run over the pool and jump in be crazy um but still to, to still to do the things that have to be done and so so that's my big bugbear that um that, that, that 
that the that kids sometimes, my, my kids sometimes aren't guided towards, you know, taking on that next responsibility, taking on responsibility for their own space, their own clothes, their own personal hygiene. Um, yeah, I have a real big issue around that. It comes from my childhood. I had to get it spot on. I had to be responsible for myself when I was very young. It taught me some amazing skills. And so that's why I'm kind of beating the drum as well. I've got to be responsible. You've got to, you know, look after your own stuff. And they're still kids. And there's a, there's a way to be able to teach that in a gentle way that they'll learn and they'll get there. Thank And be reminded that actually you, you're, he's not you and you're not him. Yeah. Yeah. You've made his life a lot different and I guess yeah. a lot better. Yes. Than you have. Yeah. You've done that well. So let's keep that with you. You've done the work, you, you've got that boy. You've helped him already in a way, possibly I judge that you may not have been. So. Thank you. It's not the same. No. That was, this is. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah another, another thing that I came to is, is all that I can change is right now. I can't, I can't change the past. I can't even change the future. All I can do right now, in this moment, am I looking after myself? Am I doing the best thing for my children? Still keep they present. And by showing up here, asking for help, you're doing that in my job. Yeah. Thanks, man.